two, three, start. Welcome to Red Cloaks Radio. I'm Jesse, and today is June 29th, 2020, and we are counting down to see will they or won't they, will the Massachusetts legislature pass the Roe Act? But we put a little pause to talk about the big news of the day, which is the Supreme Court decision in June Medical. And we're going to have a fantastic conversation because of who's here today. Who else is here today? My name is Martha. I'm with the Red Cloaks. Hi, my name is Laura, and I'm here with the Red Cloaks as well, but also advocates for women's empowerment. And I just have to note, I am wearing my RBG shirt today. Woo! I love it. Yay! Awesome. I need RBGs. <laughs> I'm Linda Vieira. I'm from Indivisible Acton. I'm Kate Kavanaugh. I'm from Concord Indivisible, also a Boston Red Cloak. And my special guest is the Statue of Liberty. You'll all recognize her. And she's got a multicolored lit base. So. She lights up. I, I love, love her. She's okay. Disco Liberty. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right. So here's the question. Are we celebrating the decision or where are we? I see the Statue of Liberty is all lit up. Well, I just want uh, this decision clarified because I was, I wasn't happy. And during lunch, all the men in the table didn't understand what I wasn't happy. So I need clarifications so I can go back for during dinner and explain to them. <laughs> I love it. It's awesome. So I would say it's a kind of a mixed decision. On the one hand, it could have been a lot worse. I mean, let's see if we all agree about that. Yes. I agree. It could have been worse. It could have been a lot worse. <laughs> I don't have all the facts to, to agree or disagree, so explain. So Breyer wrote the decision with, that three other people joined, which gave four people agreeing to some parts of the decision. Then you had Roberts over by himself agreeing with the four people on parts, but not all of it. So that gave you the five people who basically the good news is they agreed to strike down the Louisiana laws unconstitutional. I think it would have been a stronger opinion if five of them had all agreed to the same opinion. That would have felt a little better. Or, you know, nine of them. But like, <laughs> <laughs> that would be good. That would be good. So, I mean, I would say like that. So there's parts of it that are, you know, what did they say? But there's also how many of them agreed on enough to feel like there's some security. So I would start there. I mean, that's, that's a top level. Anyone else a top level thing that you feel good about? I, I would say that, that I feel really good that they're like they're doing their jobs and that they used the 2016 as a precedent. They, they made it a precedent and they said, wow, this case is almost identical. We've already done this. You know, we, we've been right. here. Well, right. at least somebody's doing their job because yeah. I, from what I hear, they're the only ones that are working. All the other ones are just sitting and collecting. And I'm really glad that the momentum has stopped. If they had voted differently, there would have been this crushing momentum. Right, right. Yeah, yeah I think, I mean, Snowball. Linda, when we talked, you were, Linda, you had been saying that you wish that they would kind of put an end to these cases that look just exactly the same as the one they already ruled on. They had just ruled on this in Texas. Mm -hmm. Right. So that's why I was somewhat optimistic um, that they would rule this way because this is they do pay attention to precedent. But on the other hand, it's a different court and you can't take anything for granted these days. So I was, I wouldn't say out loud that I was cautiously optimistic, even though I was sort of a little bit. 
but but I think we can't let our guard down. And this is, uh, you know, there are other cases in the pipeline coming up to the Supreme Court, and the anti-choice um, people are not going to stop. Um, and the um, pro-choice people like ourselves just have to keep speaking up and know that we're in the majority. And it, it really makes me th um, think back to the Roe Act here in Massachusetts, and that is that it, it it might be a blue state and we might be okay right now, right here, but that it, it does set a precedent and it, it is a model for the rest of the country. And so had Louisiana gone a different direction, it would have been a model. It would have just kept that momentum going like you guys were saying. And so it, it stopped that for a little bit. Well, I noticed and Breyer pulled out exactly what you had been talking about, Laura, which was he even put the little chart in that showed here's how many you know, here's how many clinics and doctors there are. And then he showed this is what it would look like later. It would really, it was really interesting. It was like the gerrymandering thing we talked about when we spoke prior to the decision that it's drawing these maps. It's using geographical distances to shut people out of a process if it's voting or shut women out of the ability to access something that's legally our right. Right. And you can't say that it's not legally all right when that's, that's how it stands right now, today. So can they file something to start this all over again or this is is this a never-ending story <laughs> well it'll be something else in a different state tomorrow right because that's that's what they're doing but they they've lost their momentum a little bit which is i think a big plus but, but yeah i think yes you're right we throw water on our it will end if we elect the right people in november exactly yeah. yeah, I mean, and it does. I, I'm going to read the sentence out loud that I really liked at the end of Briars. This case is similar to nearly identical with whole woman's health, and the law must consequently reach a similar conclusion. Act 620 is unconstitutional. The Court of Appeals judgment is erroneous. It is reversed. Like, that is a great feeling to have, you know, two plus two equals four. It's these cases are like the same. Right. Well, we don't always get that. <laughs> right. And I think, and Roberts in his, in his concurrence, he goes through stare decisis and is, he really, he says he, it seems to be saying he doesn't want to agree, but he didn't agree in the Texas case. He was a dissent, but he's respecting this tradition that it was settled. And so you right. don't undo settled law. Kavanaugh manages to sneak out by saying almost nothing and oh, procedural argument, it should have been remanded and they should, you know, retry it. See, he didn't really speak to the bigger questions. Clarence Thomas, though, talk amongst yourselves while I find Clarence Thomas's. I insist on reading that. Yes, <laughs> I was saying that it's good that we have a lawyer on the group so she can explain. <laughs> That's right. I just, yeah, that's funny. Ha ha. <laughs> well, I am a graphic designer and a chef. So I just, I just, that's why I ask so many questions. It's good. Yeah, I, I like questions. I think it gets us all thinking. Yes, absolutely. And, and when, when I, I, I skimmed through it and a lot of it was like, whoa, this could put me to sleep. So you could <laughs> 38 pages. <laughs> So it's really good to have somebody really look at it from a different perspective and say, okay, this is the important part. This is just blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Well, all right, here's Clarence Thomas. Clarence Thomas, 
opens with this paragraph. Today, a majority of the court perpetuates its ill-founded abortion jurisprudence by enjoining a perfectly legitimate state law and doing so without jurisdiction. As is often the case with legal challenges to abortion regulations, this suit was brought by abortionists and abortion clinics. Their sole claim before this court is that Louisiana's law violates the purported substantive due process right of a woman to abort her unborn child, but they concede that this right does not belong to them and they seek to vindicate no private rights of their own. And he argues that they lack standing. And I just think that language, what does it remind me of? It reminds me of Massachusetts definitions of abortion. It's like Clarence Thomas could have written the Massachusetts definitions of abortion. It's just, it's heavily laced with judgment and disrespect towards medical science. It reminds me of Handmaid's Tale. Yeah. Could you remind me what the language is uh, uh, in our laws right now about abortion? I know it's something about um, uh, motherhood is, is the, I know it's something about an unborn child. And Definitions. It's MGL chapter 112, section 12K. Because this is something that's actually in our law right now. These are the, right. the, the definitions. All right, here it is. Section 12K. As used in the section regulating abortion. Abortion is the knowing destruction of the life of an unborn child or the intentional expulsion or removal of an unborn child from the womb other than for the principal purpose of producing a live birth or removing a dead fetus. And it goes down to say pregnancy is the condition of a mother carrying an unborn child. An unborn child is the individual human life in existence and developing from implantation of the embryo in the uterus at birth. So, you know, it's, it's baked into our definitions in Massachusetts. Yeah. Um, it is not, that is not the medical definition of pregnancy. And that and woman as a mother by definition. Yes. I mean, right. it means if someone rapes you now, you're a mother. Right. And the thing is that if Roe v. Wade is ever overturned, then this is what we're stuck with in, in our Massachusetts law. Because it will revert back to the states, and this is what we have right now, which is why we have to pass the Roe Act and update this. This it needs to be replaced by true medical language and what the definitions are. Used. Rather than Christian. Right. Yeah. The Roe Act does, does change the language. That's part well, of that's it. That's good. <laughs> It would change the language. It would get rid of the judicial by bypass for teenagers. Yeah. Um, it would eliminate the um, what's on the books now, a 24-hour waiting period, which is currently unenforced. But there's no reason why you don't turn around and somebody says, well, hey, this is on the books. Let's, let's enforce this. Um, and then uh, if a woman's 24 weeks pregnant um, and has a fatal fetal anomaly, she has to she can't have an abortion in Massachusetts. She's forced to continue the pregnancy or travel to another state. It creates a safety net for, for women who um, don't have medical insurance or, or mass health. So it's really a very comprehensive bill and they need to pass it as is with no amendments <laughs> because each one of those components is really crucial. Do you know what they, what they yeah. changed the language to? Yes, so here's what the new definitions would be. Um, under the Roe Act. Abortion would be defined like this. Any medical treatment intended to induce the termination of a clinically diagnosable pregnancy, except for the purpose of producing a live birth. The term abortion does not include miscarriage management. Pregnancy 
means the presence of an implanted human embryo or fetus within a person's uterus. A person. Yeah. A person. Yeah. I mean, imagine that. That's so it doesn't define you as a parent. Or even a woman. It's a person. I like that. Yes. And we know that people who are transgender can become pregnant. The times have moved forward and the definitions really need to move forward too. Yes. Because they're from 1974. Yeah. Things have changed. <laughs> Things have changed. Exactly. Can you give an update on the ROAC, please, where it is? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway it's where it was in june of um, 2019 it's uh stalled in the judiciary joint judiciary committee and there was some movement in january i think um about you know maybe we could get this to a vote you know blah 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 and nothing happened and then COVID hit and here we are a year later and nothing's happened so hopefully legislators will process the kind of things we talked about today, that the Supreme Court is, you know, it's a positive decision. On the other hand, it's a case that never should have been brought to the Supreme Court because the law never should have been passed. And we know there's a strategy to have lots of test cases ready to go. So unless Massachusetts defines things properly and clearly protects women and reproductive rights here, we can't rely on, on the national scene. Can't do it. Well, <laughs> I like that we started out this conversation with bells and whistles and a happy shirt. <laughs> and then the Statue of Liberty all lit up. But reality does sink in. So we will continue counting down and seeing what happens and if our legislators step up and take action. 32 days. 32 days. All right. 32 days and counting. We'll be back. Bye. Thank you for listening. Thank you.